Welcome to Razor Branding Podcast with Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. Hi, it's Jackie Russo with Razor Branding Podcast. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day. And we've gotten to beat a lot of people. I've gotten to do a bunch of great interviews, told some amazing stories. Uh, if you don't already see it on your calendar and your schedule, next week we're going to have all these um, entrepreneurs talking to us about Entrepreneur Day. But to kick this off is what has to be one of my favorite guests of all time. And we've only met live like for five minutes, but it's Lauren Feldman with 21 Hats. If you don't subscribe, to his daily email, then you aren't getting the most out of your business because the knowledge and wisdom that he shares, the conduit that he provides to expertise and information, it's awesome. So anybody who's in business, owns a business, runs a business, wants to be in business, or just knows people in business and wants to sound smart at dinner parties, you're in for a treat because I welcome to the show, Lauren Feldman. Oh, Jackie, thank you so much for having me. Really an honor to be here. Lauren, it's so exciting. I know I told you this backstage beforehand, but I have been geeked out about this ever since you humbly and kindly and graciously agreed to be a guest. I know you're thinking, oh, I just, you know, it's me and I do this stuff, but I look forward to your email every day like none other. And I send emails and I'm not as excited about those <laughs> as I am about reading yours. I just think that the, the knowledge you bring from the business world to other business owners is awesome. So many of us are in silos and I feel like I'm a part of community when I read your stuff. I really appreciate that. And, um, you know, it's uh, I. I've been doing this for about 20 years and I think over that time, uh, if nothing else, I've kind of learned who to listen to and uh, I've developed a lot of good contacts and I try to channel that into the email. So it's really nice to hear that it's it's working for you. I appreciate that. It, it really is. I have to tell you, and I'll let you answer a bunch of real questions in a minute, but I just want to say one more thing. Um, I have done um, CEO roundtables through the state economic development. I have done the Goldman Sachs 10,000 small business. I've done another CEO roundtable. I've done peer roundtables. I have participated in Leadership Louisiana through our uh, community for a better Louisiana. I've participated in Leadership Lafayette. I'm a joiner, Lauren. I'm out there. I'm part of things. I love that networking and that group atmosphere. And I feel there's a lot we can learn peer to peer. All of those together have provided about half as much knowledge and inspiration and connection as I get, have gotten from your emails in the past year and a half. Wow. Well, that means so much to me. I really appreciate that. It's a true story. So you are a reporter. You have been a journalist for quite some time. When was the switch? When, when did you think, hey, I'm going to start doing this, not just in my regular day job, but I'm going to launch this entire community called 21 Hats? Um, well, the, the first switch happened when I found myself at Inc. Magazine in 2002. So that's mm -hmm. that's when I kind of discovered I'm embarrassed to say entrepreneurship. I had been a business journalist, but I knew nothing about entrepreneurship. Um, it, you know, I, I have a an undergraduate degree in business um, from a good school, and entrepreneurship was not mentioned in my entire time there. Uh, it, you know, I'm old enough; things have changed since then. Um, I'd like to think I I know that things have changed since then, but. Um, you know, my first, uh, the first part of my career, 
I focused on long form journalism. I worked for a bunch of magazines. I liked to write. I became an editor. I developed a little bit of a specialty in going to magazines that needed to rethink and redesign. Uh, and I did that in Inc. Magazine. A friend of mine was named editor. Uh, he invited me to come aboard and help him think through what he was going to do with it. I figured at most I'd stay there a couple of years and move on to some other similar project. Uh, but a couple of things happened. One, the, uh, the economy kind of changed and uh, media companies were having a real tough time with this you know, internet thing that was uh, evolving. And a lot of them were struggling to figure out what, you know, what their future was, what they were going to do. And they, they weren't doing a lot of hiring. And I, you know, the, the next gig was harder to come by. But the other thing that happened even better was I just fell in love with what I was doing. I fell in love with the people who were at Inc. Magazine who really knew entrepreneurship and kind of took me under their wing. Um, there's an author named Bo Burlingham who I worked with closely. He's written some really terrific books, one called Small Giants that is, uh, I think, especially influential in this space. Um, I, I, you know, I, I love that. I loved meeting the entrepreneurs I started meeting. And, you know, th this is part of the answer to your question. You, you just can't spend that much time around entrepreneurs and not start <laughs> thinking at some point. Now, I didn't have the guts to do it. Uh, you know, I had a couple of kids who were headed towards school and a mortgage and all of that. So I continued to do uh, journalism for quite some time. I uh, went for, I was at Inc. for five or six years. I went to the New York Times for another five years or so. I went to Forbes. Um, and along the way, at each of those places, great companies, I learned a lot. I made a lot of great contacts, both among journalists, but especially among entrepreneurs. And I began to think about why I thought this particular space wasn't being covered as well as it should be. Um, I talked to a lot of people, both journalists and entrepreneurs, and just it took me a while, but I came to realize that we in the media were playing way too much attention to Silicon Valley and venture-backed businesses and private equity and way little, uh, way too little attention to real businesses with real business owners. And, you know, I had a lot of very smart business journalist colleagues who just did not get it at all, didn't understand why I was interested in this. They understood that, you know, what they kind of derisively referred to as small business. They, they knew it was important from you know an aggregation standpoint it's a big part of the economy but who wants to talk to an actual small business owner you know all they heard was the word small um small potatoes that's that's all it meant to them what they didn't realize is that these are people who are really putting it on the line people who take risks with their own money, not with Wall Street money or Silicon Valley money. They're, you know, borrowing against their own house. And, uh, you know, as I realized how great these stories were, how interesting the people were, I realized I wanted to do more with that. And I kept looking for ways to, this, this answer has dragged on way too no, long. No, it's good, I it's good. Keep going. Uh, I, I realized that there was a need out there that these these people knew they weren't getting the attention that they deserved and they knew they weren't getting the support they deserved. And at each of those publications that I worked for, I encouraged them to try to, to build a community that would reach them. And they all kind of got it, but I couldn't get them to make it a priority. I would always hear, you know, that makes a lot of sense. We should do that. 
we have to do this, this, and this. We'll get back to you. And after a few years, I realized they probably weren't going to get back to me. And, and not because they were stupid. Uh, they were very smart people. And, and, you know, those are terrific publications. But the publications have their own missions. And they just didn't see this as being as important to their mission as I thought it could or should be. And ultimately, in uh, September of 2018, I left Forbes and I, uh, I partnered with somebody who had a business uh, it was called Advantage Forbes Books, uh, based in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, you know who I'm talking about. It they here. published our book. And there you go. In February. Excellent. How about that? I love that. Yeah. We didn't even know that. I know. Um, it's an excellent company that mm -hmm. serves entrepreneurs. The founder of it has built uh, a, a really impressive business. Along the way, he's bought some other businesses that also serve entrepreneurs. And in the fall of 2018, we convinced ourselves that we should get together and build a platform that'll serve not just uh, Adam's existing uh, ecosystem of entrepreneurs, but we can reach out and try to make it the definitive uh, platform for our entrepreneurs. Uh, we thoroughly convinced ourselves we had a great idea. We got off to a really good start. Uh, and then we ran into this pandemic thing. And unfortunately, um, you know, I think Adam would be the first to tell you that he, he had done these acquisitions. He probably did them a little bit too quickly. Um, and then with the pandemic, uh, he needed to focus on his core business. Uh, so we ended up parting ways on really good terms. He was great about it. Um, he kind of gave me the things that we had built together, one of which is the newsletter that you've referred to. The other thing was uh, a podcast that I've been doing. We started it just before the pandemic hit. Uh, the idea was that I would have a group of uh, seven or eight business owners, and I would talk to three of them every week, and it would be kind of a roundtable discussion each week about what they were going through. And when we got started, you know, I wasn't sure how long people would want to hear from the same group of business owners. How long would this last? We might get tired of whatever problems they have and move on. Then the pandemic hit and everything changed. Uh, this, the conversations we had every week became really interesting and in some cases really emotional. Uh, of the businesses that I talked to regularly, a couple of them weren't sure at all that they were going to survive. A couple of them did better than they would have expected without the pandemic. So it, it made for a really interesting mix. And I think um, the listeners really kind of got invested into the the narratives. Are these businesses going to make it? How well are they going to do? And even the ones that were doing well, you know, they had issues too, and interesting, complicated issues, you know, acquisitions that didn't go well, uh, attempts to bring in investment money that that didn't work out. Uh, there, there, even the best business, the businesses that were doing best uh, had their challenges. So uh, it, it's it, for me, it's been, a, you know, a remarkable opportunity because we've been talking every week. We've gotten to know each other really well. And um, that means it's kind of a, a no BS conversation. We know each other too well. Uh, we call each other on things. We support each other. Uh, it, it's just been a, a great conversation uh, week after week. And so when did the email newsletter piece come out of all of that? When I went to, when I joined Adam, he had one of the businesses he bought was a mastermind business based in Atlanta that already had this email. Uh, it was very different. 
Um, you know, the, the numbers aren't big. I, you know, I can, I'm happy to tell you it was probably, I don't remember this for sure. It's probably around 1500 readers when I inherited it. Uh, it's over five, or around 5,000 right now. Um, but, uh, you know, I took it in a very different direction. It was the person who was writing it was a very smart entrepreneur who had a lot of his own smart thoughts about uh, what was happening in the world of entrepreneurship. I couldn't do that. I didn't have right. the experience to do that. I hadn't right. built a business. I wasn't going to try to tell people what to do. Uh, what I did was I used it both to introduce the content that we were producing, uh, but also uh, to aggregate, to try to find what I thought were the most important business stories of the day for a business owner, which I don't think is easy to find. I mean, all, all these stories are out there, but nobody has time to go looking for them. Uh, my hope was that I would be providing a service by bringing them together in one place and highlighting them. So in many cases, you don't have to go read the story, but if you want to, the link's there, you can click through and dive a little bit deeper. Right. Um, but uh, I, I did that right away. And, you know, it's it's not for everybody. Honestly, there, there's some people who don't understand what the value is that they can go get it themselves. Uh, there are some people who tell me they've stopped sub subscribing to everything else and they just read this because they trust me to give them what they most need. And if it's not there, they don't need it. Yes. I think my team is done with me forwarding them. I'm like, hey, read this. Hey, read this. And they're like, we'll just subscribe. Oh, stop, don't stop asking Jackie. Us. You got to keep doing it. <laughs> but what I find, Lauren, is you cut to the heart of the matter. I like to click through and read the whole article because I want to give that entity the credit, you know, because I feel like there was some work there. But you give me the summation and sometimes the thought process behind it. And I love it. And, and I've mentioned to you this before, and I will say it again because it, it bears repeating. I, if I think about the things that got me through the pandemic, um, you know, my friends, my family, my coworkers, but you're probably on the top of the list above all of them. Um, there were pieces of information you provided to help me prepare for the PPP, um, to make me understand how the idol was going to work, to uh, make sure I asked the right questions of my banker, to make sure I had the right information from my CPA so that I could be first in line because you said it before everybody else. This PPP money is not going to last. And you were right. Uh, and it ran out very quickly. And I luckily had a good relationship with a banker um, who has since retired. So we can't do the pandemic again because I don't know what I'll do. Um, <laughs> but you gave me that information. And I don't know that you knew really, because if it was me, I wasn't the only one. There were others like us that you were the lifeline that got us through. So thank you. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, um, Everybody has different needs. As you said, you're you're a joiner. So you've been part of groups and you, you probably could have gotten this kind of information somewhere else if, if, if you needed to. I'd like to think I did make it easier for you. Uh, but that is what I hear. You know, it's starting, running, building a business can be a really lonely pursuit there. People don't necessarily have that network, that tribe to connect with uh, for all sorts of reasons. They may not have someone that they feel they can talk to. I mean, a lot of people can't talk to their spouse when things are difficult. That's completely understandable. You really can't talk to employees when you're facing big challenges. That's not going to go well. Uh, you, you might have really smart friends who know absolutely nothing about what it takes to build a business. Uh, where do you go? So I, I have heard the same thing uh, about the podcast too, because it's, it's not a conversation that you can participate in, but 
a lot of people feel as though the businesses that are represented there are representative of what they do. And by listening to the conversations that we have every week, they tap into the same kind of conversations they'd like to be having if they had found that kind of group. Right. So, uh, I, I, I hope that have, has helped. It has. And I think you have a good um, combination of businesses. Uh, you know, that old adage that you are the um, average of the five people you spend the most time with, right? <laughs> and so, sure, I have an entrepreneur um, woman, downtown Lafayette business owner. So I've got a lot of kind of boxes checked, uh, but she has a restaurant chain in multiple cities that's regional, that's way bigger than anything my agency is ever going to become. But that's aspirational. You know, I think sure. Michelle's super smart. And sure. I look at what Michelle does and think, oh, I'm going to do that too. Um, but there aren't a lot of other people in my small town of Lafayette, Louisiana, that I can look at and say, they're going through the same thing I'm going through. So you deliver those people onto my doorstep, which I love. Um, and it's just, you know, I just want to publicly say thank you because it's been awesome. Well, thank you. That's that's exactly what I've tried to do. And it's so nice to hear it, that it's worked, at least for you. Right. Now, you did something pretty, I thought, awesome about a month ago. You created a membership and founders program from the subscribers of 21 Hats. How's that going? What's next for that evolution? And, you know, I joined immediately, but how can everybody else? Because and I think everyone should be, of course. Um uh, well, you know, honestly, I'm still figuring it out. The um, the results I got were a little bit surprising. So you, if, a little bit of background quickly. Uh, when I parted ways uh, with my partner at Advantage Forbes Books, that was a little more than a year ago now, uh, I got the things that we had built. It was primarily the uh, the newsletter and the uh, the podcast, but also... I had spent the fall of 2019 designing or working with developers to design a website that was going to be the content and community platform that would be the backbone for the, the project that we had started off to build. Um, we fit, completed the designs in 2019 and we're really proud of them. We thought they were, you know, really different, really good, but we never got to, we didn't even start building it. And uh, that put me in a, a difficult situation when it all became mine, because that was the part that we intended to monetize, not the newsletter, not the podcast. Um, but now it's just me and I got to figure out some way to, to, to make this work. I would like to think that the time will come when I will pull those designs out of a drawer and, and build that platform, but I'm not there yet. I need to get to that point. So I'm trying to monetize things that weren't necessarily designed to be monetized. Um, the easiest way to do it is I, I took the newsletter to a platform called Substack. You may have heard of it. It's very well known among, uh, journalists, uh, who, uh, either want or need to find an independent way to, to make a living. Um, it, it makes it, it's, it's, it's free to use as a, uh, newsletter or a writer, uh, until you start charging people. So it was great for me while I was figuring out what I wanted to do. Uh, but uh, I guess it was, uh, about a month ago, as you say, I, I decided to pull the trigger and see if I could get people to pay me for this. And I did it, um, in kind of, um, a, a nervous, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, it, 
you know, I, I tried to test the waters. I tried to have my cake and eat it too by asking people to pay me, but not putting up a paywall and not requiring them to pay me. So I, there's some interesting pricing lessons in this, I think. I offered, um, I asked, I told, reminded people of what I was offering, primarily both the newsletter and the podcast. And I asked people to pay me, uh, but I told them, uh, I'm, I'm not going to put up a paywall, so it's still going to be available for free. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope you'll pay me because I hope you want to help me build this thing. Right. And I want it to keep growing. And the more people I bring in, the better it'll be for all of us. Um, you know, the community will be, will be stronger. We'll have more people to learn from. Um, so what do you think? I created two tiers. Uh, one tier was... Uh, just, uh, you know, uh, basically the paid subscription, uh, you get access to the, you know, of course, the podcast, the newsletter, and some of the community th- uh, things that I've been building. Uh, and then I asked people who, who, yeah, I figured there were a handful of bigger fans out there who would be interested in getting together once a month for a mastermind conversation that would be several things it would be a networking opportunity it would be a chance to talk about uh common issues that we're all facing and frankly it would be a chance to uh to advise me to help me figure out how to make this thing work and i figured i'd yeah i char- i asked 480 dollars a month for that i asked 140 dollars for the uh lesser price tier um I figured, you know, if I get eight to 12 people who pay me for at the higher level, that'd be great. It'd be a a, a nice um, monthly conversation, very committed people who uh, I have no doubt will give me good advice and we'll get to know each other and it'll be really worthwhile. To my surprise, I got over 30 people who were willing to do that. Um, And uh, I'm kind of stunned and honored and uh, a little intimidated by that because I got to figure out how to handle a monthly meeting. I'm not sure. I'm sure not everybody's going to show up, but it's going to be more complicated than the, you know, five or six people that I was expecting would show up uh, initially. On the other hand, I did not do as well at the lower tier as I hoped I would. Uh, I got about um, you know, not that many more. Uh, I got more, but not that many more than I did at the uh, uh, higher price. So that I've got to figure out. I I think the pricing lesson here is with the upper level, I kind of introduced a sense of urgency. I told people that there would be a limit, um, which there is. And I told people that if you want to do this, you got to pay. There's no other option. At the lower price level, I introduced whatever the opposite of urgency is, <laughs> I, I, I introduced complacency um, and told people, yeah, I'd really like you to pay me for this, but if you don't, that's okay too. You, you, you can keep reading. So I think I'm probably going to have to adjust that. I've been letting it sink in and seeing what happens. Um, but I think what I'll probably have to do I, on this platform, I can, uh, I can put up a paywall that allows me to send the email to everybody, even people who aren't paying. But those who aren't paying only get, you know, like the first item and maybe the highlights. If they want more, they would have to, you know, pull out a credit card and and pay for it. Um, I'm nervous about doing that. I'm not sure if it'll stunt my growth, but I think that's probably where I'm headed. 
I love that though. And I like that you're having that entrepreneurial journey that we all have of figuring out, okay, well, I'm going to test this and I'm going to try that. And um, I know I have the right idea, but I have to figure out how to put all the pieces together. I think that's the conversation entrepreneurs have every day. Well, that's what everybody keeps saying to me. <laughs> you know, and, and it's also, I mean, what I love about it, and this is definitely what I hear from entrepreneurs all the time, is you don't really know what your business model is until right. you test the waters and you see what people are actually willing to pay for. So, you know, some of the, the news here maybe wasn't as good as I hoped it would be. Some of it was better and may suggest a different path. There may be, you know, there may be more interest in creating, you know, monthly conversations than I realized. And maybe what I need to do is break out on different topics. You know, maybe there's a marketing group that would want to get together. Uh, you know, maybe there's, you know, a hiring management right. firing. <laughs> who, who knows? There, right. there are 21 hats as you have heard. <laughs> um, so there are at least 21 possible uh, monthly sessions that, uh, I could try out at some point. So right. you know, maybe my model lies more in that direction. When I first saw um, the 21 Hats logo, all, the first thing that came to my mind was a 21 gun salute. And I was like, that seems kind of appropriate. Funeral, entrepreneurship, they go together. I mean, I get it. <laughs> I totally get it. You know, I didn't think of the funeral aspect Nor should of it. you. But <laughs> it, was, it was dark days of the pandemic at that point. I was definitely thinking that. Well, I got a branding expert here. I got to yes. ask you, what do you think of the name 21 Hats? I, I understand the concept that entrepreneurs wear a lot of different hats. So I got that. Um, I didn't know the reference to 21 hats specifically. Um, and so there that's isn't one. Okay. So I think that's why my head went to 21 gun salute, you know? Um, but I get it. I almost think you create a 21 points, 21 platform, 21, right. make, give them number value. That's what was uh, on that platform we designed and never built. There mm -hmm. were 21 categories there and we were, right. we, you know, we were going to carry that through. Right. Um, the thing I, the reason I picked it, the thing I liked about it is I wanted a name that uh, one showed respect that indicated we understand this isn't easy. Right. You need to know a lot of things to build a business and nobody's prepared to do all of them. Right. You're going to need help with some of them. Um, so I, I liked that, but I also liked the name cause it, it doesn't exclude anybody. I didn't want the phrase small business in it. Cause right. some people are offended by that. They consider it a pejorative. Uh, a lot of people don't. And right. you know, I don't think they necessarily should, but it, it's, it's not a good term. It, mm -hmm. It's, it's misleading. No, nobody, no business is small if it's your business. Right. And, um, you know, if you're a business owner, we know you probably don't own a Fortune 500 company. We we, we get the idea. We don't need that. So, um, that's my, you know, my focus as we discussed is is these real businesses, primarily privately owned businesses that are not venture backed uh, or private equity um, businesses. But but I don't exclude anybody. If somebody can come onto the platform and find something useful about hiring or about marketing or whatever the topic is, great. I want them to feel comfortable, and I didn't right. want to pick a name that would make them feel you know this isn't for me. This is right. this is you know for mom and pops or something that they would look down on. Well, that's what it comes down to is you think about small businesses, small, it's up to 200 employees. You think about mom and pop and that's so country or rural. And then um, not everybody's a founder and not everybody thinks of themselves as an entrepreneur, even though that title would be applicable. So no, I liked the 
openness of 21 hats. Um, and I love that y'all were on the path of giving it value. I would almost think there's two specific things you do every month. And so at the end of the year, you've done 24. It's 21 plus a bonus three. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> right? Yep. Uh, yep. No, I look, if there's a place on your site to buy merch, I'd be wearing the hat and the shirt right now. I'm all I got to do that. I got to do that. I want that hat so bad. I do too. <laughs> I want a hat that says 21 hats. I mean, nope. I want people to think I got 20 more back at the place. I love it. Um, we do have a question from a watcher slash listener, Reagan. If you could go back and do it all over again, would you change anything? Um, do you think Reagan's asking about since I took the leap? I, I think so. Yes. Yeah. Um, wow. That's, uh, that's an interesting question that I have never thought about. I've been so focused on surviving day to day right. and looking ahead. Uh, what would I do? You know what? Uh, I, I really wouldn't, um, the, I, I, I wouldn't change anything. And, and here's the thing, you know, it was, it was not easy when the partnership broke up and I took this thing over. And at that point in time, it would, would have been real easy to say, you know, if, if I could press a button and just go back to my job at Forbes, would I do that? And even then, I, I said, no, I didn't reach out. Um, I, the, the truth of the matter is this is something I'd wanted to do for a long time. And I really didn't honestly have the guts to do it. Um, you know, I, my kids are now out of college and that made a big difference. My financial needs are not what they were just, you know, not that long ago. So that, that made a difference, but to, have the nerve to do what people like you and your listeners have been doing forever. I needed that stepping stone. I needed the security of partnering with someone and it didn't work out, but it got me out of my day job and on the path to figuring out whether I can make this work or not. And I'm really happy that I did that. And I think I will be whether it succeeds or not. Um, right. Um, you know, and I think at the time she asked the question, which was about 10 minutes ago, we were specifically talking about that timeline. And so I think that's where it was. I always think of that. What would you change question more philosophically than practically? And so I'm drawn to the philosophical answer of if I change anything in the background, it changes something in the future. And, you know, all the rules of time change movies, you can't be in the same place with yourself and, you know, you, you can't buy stock <laughs> and still own it. All those back yep. to the future rules. And so I would hate to think that I, I don't go out on my own and start a business or we don't grow this way or buy that building or do whatever, because all the dominoes after that fall a different direction. And That's I like the way they've fallen. I agree. I, I agree completely. You know, it's interesting. I, as a journalist, I spoke to a lot of smart, entre smart entrepreneurs, a lot of smart consultants. Um, and one of the things I picked up on is that one of the things that businesses struggle with the most is pricing. Mm -hmm. And by and large, people don't charge enough. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> you could walk in the door of almost any business and if they're having a problem, that's a good place to start. Mm -hmm. And I have not pretended that that's my uh, expertise. I haven't right. pretended that I, I figured that out. Um, but I have passed that on uh, to other people. And, um, and I've done it kind of 
you know, it's been very easy just to say, well, you know, you're struggling here. Your margins are tight. You're working really hard. Right. Have you thought about rate? And then it's, you know, it seems like the most obvious thing in the world until, until it's your business. Right. And until I had to go through that and make the decision, what price am I actually going to put on this? And, and then all of a sudden it's not so easy. And just having that experience, I think has made me a, a, a much better at what I do because, uh, I mean, I kind of always knew it. I, I always knew that it was easier said than done, but going through that made a huge difference. And I, I have, uh, a, a tremendous amount of empathy for people who struggle with that. Right. It is, you know, pricing is a challenge. Hiring is a challenge. Retention is a challenge. It is the 21 hats that we all wear. Uh, you know, one of the early, early points of the pandemic, and I go back to, I found 21 hats at exactly the right time. Uh, so it was March 15th or 16th. It was that Monday. <laughs> and um, I, I went into a meeting with my team and said, I don't know what tomorrow looks like for us. You know, I don't know what it looks like for anybody. I know a lot of our clients, um, when when they get told to shelter in place, it's going to change how they do their business. We're going to have to help them change that. I know that some clients won't be able to operate because they only can do what they do in front of their customer base. Um, I know that we have a fine dining restaurant that we're going to have to flip to curbside and delivery. And that's not the same experience as the white tablecloth and the team of five waiters and your four hour experience inside their restaurant. So we got to figure that out. We've got a lot of work to do. So the one thing I need you to do is not worry about getting paid tomorrow. So I will tell you that between, you know, what, what the company has in its checking account and our savings account and my kids college funds and our own personal savings account and retirement account, we will make payroll. So you wow. just keep taking care of clients and I'll take care of you and we'll just figure this is all going to work out. And I left that meeting scared like every entrepreneur is every day and sat down on my computer and someone had sent me 21 hats and it was the first time I'd ever read it. And it was such a light bulb like, oh, wait, I'm not the only one going through this. We all are. And everybody's kind of doing the same thing I just did. So it'll be fine. And so that to me is what 21 Hats does is it gives me this support and this feedback from other people who are going through the same thing I'm going through in the trenches, down in the dirt, having to make decisions that I know every time I make a choice, it's someone's mortgage, it's somebody's kid's college fund, it's their future and it matters. Well, good for you. I mean, to, to make that kind of commitment to your staff at that time, um, I, I can imagine that was a little bit scary. Uh, in retrospect, obviously the right thing to do, but everything's obvious in retrospect to, in the moment uh, to be able to uh, commit to making those payments uh, without knowing what was coming. Um, you know, that's that's the kind uh, of thing that the, the media do not fully appreciate they don't realize what it goes what goes into trying to build a business like this and obviously that's an extreme example but that kind of thing happens all the time with or without time. a pandemic all the time people have to borrow against whatever um all the time it, and when i worked in los angeles i read um robert rodriguez's book about the movie that he made on credit cards and I thought, well, that's entrepreneurship. You know, I mean, we all have to make those choices and people can go broke and, and it can be disastrous sometimes. It's really great when it works out, <laughs> not good. Um, 
But I mean, we're, we're not recommending that you necessarily try this at home. No, no, definitely not. But I do think about the the media covers the big businesses because hiring 10,000 people is sexy. You know, Amazon going out and adding 1.5 million to their payroll, that's sexy. I added four to mine this year. That's not as sexy. But when you think about it, that's a 25% growth or whatever. So that's big for us. But I get the fact that small business is small, but when you add us all up together, there's a lot of us out there. So I'm glad that you've become a resource that we can turn to, to get the kind of support and knowledge and background and feedback and just, you know, information that we all need. I just think it's a good thing. Uh, I often think about a story when, when I was at Inc., at a, uh, we did a focus group at an Inc. 500 conference. We had a bunch of business owners around a table and we were asking them, <clears throat> what could we provide of value? What are you looking from us? And one owner um, who, who I knew pretty well and happened just to be looking at me um, just said, well, you know what? I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I don't need. I don't need to be told how to run my business by some 23-year-old kid working for a money-losing publication. <laughs> and, and that really stuck with me. It, it's, it may be the one thing that I have remembered best from all the lessons I've learned, especially as a journalist. And that's, that's really something I've kept in mind ever since. I never want to tell somebody how to run their business. You know, it's one, one size does not fit all. Um, my feeling has been that a case study approach makes a lot more sense. I'd much rather tell you what other businesses have tried, what's worked for them, what hasn't worked for them. Sometimes you can learn from something that doesn't work for another business, but might work for you because you're not the same business. Um, so I, I think that's where the, the real learning is. And, you know, I always think of that, that one owner who right. really made a difference. You know, it's, it's obvious when you think about it. Um, but, but if it's not obvious to all journalists and I, you know, I think that was one of the most important points in my, uh, on my learning curve. Right. No, and it is. And I think about um, those choices that I made at 29, you know, starting this business. I was pregnant with our fourth kid. Wow. Oh, no, second kid. I was second kid. Uh, we had a toddler at home. And then so the business basically became our second kid. She was born a month later, the third kid now. Um, and then there was one the year after that and one the year after that. And I think like, who thought that was a good idea? I said to my husband the other day, I said, <laughs> You let me go waddle into businesses nine months pregnant and say, hey, you want to hire an agency? And he goes, let you. What do you mean let you? No one was going to stop you. I said, well, somebody probably should have. But, you know, thank goodness they didn't because all those things would have been different after that. Uh, That's but a great point. You know, there's, there's so many common themes between parenting and uh, entrepreneuring. And if you really knew what both were all about, I'm not sure anybody would do either. <laughs> No, no. At least with parenting, you can babysit and realize I don't enjoy this. You can't really babysit a job, a, a business, you know, a startup, uh, but it does make a difference. But I think about what you said right at the very beginning. You were talking about learning in school. And I know that there are entrepreneurship programs now, but I still see most business schools and universities and colleges teaching with this whole, especially around marketing and branding, with the whole mindset of Fortune 500 companies. And I'm thinking, but there's only 500 of them. 
There's only 500 of them. There are, I don't know, 500,000, 5 million, 50 million small businesses. And I don't like the term either, but it is applicable in this context. So uh, maybe we should expand our focus just a little bit to all these other companies and people learning how to do that. And I see that in communities. I see incubators like here in Lafayette, there's Opportunity Machine. Um, I'm a consultant for Edward Lowe Foundation, and they work with state economic development departments to help entrepreneurs. So I see it out there. I just, I wait for that transition when everybody kind of embraces the smaller businesses. That's a great point. I don't know that... I mean, I think that there are probably some really great, I know there's some great entrepreneurial uh, academic programs. <clears throat> I don't know that any classroom can really prepare you uh, to run a business. I think, you know, the, 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 the best experience you can have is maybe being number two or near the top of somebody else's business and seeing it firsthand. That can be really good preparation. But even that, it's it's not the same thing as you know what you went through thinking about, all right, where am I going to get the money for that payroll? And until you go through that, uh, it's it's just not the same. You just don't right. know what it's about. No, definitely not. You know, and there was a 21 Hats article a while back, and I don't remember exactly what day it was or the, the, which company it was, but it was about paying people. And it was about entrepreneurs and, and founders paying themselves enough. And I thought, oh, okay, hold on. Mental note. I went and looked, you know, we've been steadily increasing raises, raises, raises. And I've made sure everybody is now up to much higher than what our, our standard minimum used to be. And so for the most part, everybody's gotten, let's call it about a 25% raise this year, which is awesome. And that's what I want. Mike and I, we haven't, I mean, years, five to eight, 10 years haven't changed our pay. Uh, and I looked the last time we changed our pay, we decreased it. I was like, what was, what was I thinking? So, you know, it, yes, we all have to pay ourselves a living wage. Like, it's just crazy. There, there are people out there who say, you know, pay yourself first. And right. that sounds great. Yeah, uh, but, you know, when push comes to shove and you know, you're looking at the bills and you're looking at the salaries of employees. It's, you know, it's not always easy to pay yourself first, mm-hmm. but, um, but it's, it's obviously a very important goal to, to work toward yes. and to figure out. Um, right. Right. Oh, I have a good question. Um, is there a myth around being a natural entrepreneur or can you learn to be one through want process and effort? That's a great question. I'm not sure I'm the most qualified person to answer it. I have talked to a lot of people about this kind of topic. Um, you know, I, I I do think there is something in the blood. Um, I think the the willingness to take these kinds of chances. And by the way, I to some extent I think that's overdone. Uh, entrepreneurs are not reckless with risk. It's, mm-hmm. it's, in fact, it's just the opposite. Uh, they do take risks though. I mean, they're willing to borrow against their homes and right. uh, people don't realize just how commonplace that is. And if they did, I, I think they would, they would, lo- <laughs> they would think every business owner is completely nuts and may- maybe they are. So you, you do need a, a certain um, willingness to, to, to do that. It's a different way to live and not everybody's comfortable with that. And not everybody should try to do it. That said, um, there's a lot that you can learn. And I think, um, going through the process of observing someone else 
building a business. You can learn a lot and you could get a sense of whether it's right for you. It's definitely not right for everybody. And, you know, you hear a lot of people talking about passion and, you know, just do it and go, go, go. Not everybody should do it. Um, Not every idea is a winner and not everybody's cut out for this life. And there are lots of other good ways to make a living. And uh, no one should be embarrassed because they choose not to do this. Right. Um, And, you know, that was the choice I made for a long, long time not to do this. Um, And, you know, if things had gone differently, I might have might never have taken this leap myself. it's, I think, you know, one, one thing people should think about is, you know, there's a, there's a lot of talk about uh, doing it right out of school. That probably is a good time to do it. You don't have a lot of responsibilities. Another time that doesn't get enough attention is when you're older and right. you don't have quite the same financial needs. Uh, you don't necessarily have to risk everything, but you can uh, give it a try like I am. And you have some life experience. I I think there's, you know, sometimes too much experience is maybe a bad thing because you're not as dumb. You know, young and dumb is has some value when it comes to entrepreneurship. Um, But you can be old and brave also. Uh, And I find those two can kind of balance each other out. Um, I think that ultimately the takeaway is, though, you've got to find something that there is a place for. If you're opening the same thing that everybody else has already opened, you know, if you're the 10th donut shop on the street. I, and I see that all the time. I'm thinking, but but why am I going to drive past those nine donut shops to get to yours? <laughs> well, of, of, of course, you're right. There's One of the things I love about entrepreneurship is that there's some really interesting contradictions. And while what you just said is 100% true, I think it's also true that innovation can be overrated. Uh, you don't have to create something entirely new. You can also do something that others are doing and just do it better. Uh, And there are a lot of great businesses that have been built by someone who figured out a different way. You know, maybe it's just location. Maybe they're doing it somewhere else. Maybe they aim at a different market. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, You don't have to you know, invent the next whatever to, to build a business. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's that's an important point. Agree. Uh, it doesn't have to be a cronut. It can still be a donut. <laughs> but you've got to, but if your donut looks and smells and tastes and is priced and served and drive through exactly like everybody else's, give me something. Give it it me can't something. be a commodity. It right. Can't, you're, it's not going to be worth the time and effort if you can't charge more for it yes. <laughs> than others are, than the, yes. the cheap version down the street, yes. uh, it's just not worth it. It's no. too hard. No, no. And I find that all the time. You know, um, I attend the first meeting, like when we're still meeting a, a prospective client for the first time, uh, because I represent the strategy side of the agency and our brand developer, who's what we call account service person. Um, they are there right from the beginning too, because we don't want that handoff drop off like, oh, wait, I told those other people all this stuff. Now I have to tell you you're a stranger, you know? So we fix some of the problems from other agencies. And what I hear so often in that first meeting, when I say, you know, why you not, not confrontationally, just out of curiosity, why you so often it's price. I'm like, I, I don't want it to be price. I want it to be something better than that. I want to raise your price and still have people in line for you. How are we going to do that? That's the thing I want to do. You know your business better than I do, but I know branding better than you do. So how do we combine our superpowers to make you better than that? And that's where I think the magic starts to happen. That is great advice. Yeah, it can be so much fun.
Um, all right. We always end these and we're not quite done yet, but we're, we're nearing hard to believe almost an hour. Um, I have the lightning round questions uh -oh. and I want to give you time because you're not a lightning round guy. I can tell already. You're not going to give me one word answers and that's it. There's a backstory and I love it. <laughs> that's a very nice way of saying I've been running my mouth. No, <laughs> I apologize. Hey, listen, the people who listen to this thing have heard me run my mouth for years. You're new. You're exciting still. <laughs> I'm old and boring. Um, so no, I want to give you the chance to give proper answers as you do in your way. So what is your favorite place on earth? Wow. See, I told you you weren't going to be able to kick it out. You're going to think <laughs> about it. I know you. Um, that is another question that I haven't really thought of. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not good at these favorite because type questions. You know, my kids are always asking me, you know, favorite book, favorite artist, favorite team. It, it depends on the day. Sure. Uh, it depends you on the season. You can I, um, I'm just spinning my wheels here. You know what? I'm a big baseball fan. Oh yes. I love going to spring training. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's something it, it's changed through the years. When I first started doing it, it wasn't as much of a tourist thing right. and you could, a, a lot of, uh, sites, spring training sites, they would just let you wander around. Oh. One of my favorite was uh, Vero Beach. The Dodgers used to train mm. there. And I remember just walking around there and I'm going down the path and I, I'm, I looked up and I said, oh, Mr. Koufax, how are you? <laughs> oh, I've got chills. That's it's, amazing. It is just amazing. So it's you and Sandy hanging out. Well, we didn't exactly hang out. I don't overdo it, but uh, that's the way it was back then. And then, you, you know, you buy a ticket for $5 and you sit in the stands and, um, you, you know, it's changed. It's not as good as it used to be, but uh, a spring training baseball game in, you know, especially towards the beginning mm -hmm. when, you know, they're playing the starters for maybe three innings and then you see a bunch of people you haven't heard of right. and uh, it's, and then they go, they all got, they run and then they go take batting practice and you can stand outside the cage and watch the hitting instructor work mm -hmm. with them on their batting. Mm -hmm. uh, that's to me, that's where I'd like to be right now. That's pretty darn close to heaven on earth. Um, I would have to agree. Our son is in his starting his fourth year as a pitcher at Millsaps college. Wow. Um, and so, you know, D three level, you have to do it for the love of the game because nobody's getting drafted. This is just for fun. And, uh, but it's been a great, other than the weird COVID seasons, it's been a great experience to watch him get to continue to play. You know, it's just been, been a blessing. great experience for him too. That's oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. He has loved it. And luckily he has a fifth year, so he'll get his um, bachelor's in, in, in May and then he'll finish his MBA the next May. So he'll get to play that grad year too. Is, is Ron Guidry from Lafayette, uh, Louisiana? Yes. Louisiana, Louisiana Lightning. Lightning. Absolutely. I have his <laughs> college jersey hanging right outside my office door. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> and he's around. Like, he'll come to stuff. He'll come to football games and hang out at tailgating. Right. Uh, at, like, it's just, he's not Ron Guidry. That's how he'll do it. Um, so, you know, we only have I two numbers, baseball numbers retired at our university. Ron, number three, and then, who, which my son played number three all of his life, even though he's a righty and he's not lightning fast um <laughs> he's a location guy lauren location guy no not shame in that. absolutely um and then our recently departed um just greatest college coach of all time uh tony robichaud 36 and that's it those are the two numbers out in the outfield and they'll probably just be them for a long time because they're special I real love special it. yep okay so this isn't the second question but now i have to ask it 
what's the best baseball movie? You know, I am going to sound like a jerk saying this. Um, I don't like many baseball movies. Fair they, enough. They just don't ring true to me. Um, I guess if I had to pick one, I'd pick Bull Durham. Yes. But, uh, but I'm not a huge fan of baseball movies. Understandable. I, I would put Bull Durham up there. It's a good one. The Natural's a good one. Um, the Perfect Game, though, with Kevin Costner, it's special. Just because of the way you enter, mm. see the current, you know, ro- juxtaposed with that game as it's happening, it's it's a good one. Um, do you have a TV show that you like to binge watch? Um, I've had a number. I guess my my favorites have been um, the, the Wire, The Sopranos, mm. Breaking mm-hmm. Bad. Um, I'm, I watched Succession last night. The moment it was available. Oh my gosh. Yes, Succession and Billions, both just great. I didn't and get started on list. Billions. I haven't done oh. that one yet. Put it on Maybe. your list. Okay. Put it on your list for sure. Um, so I would normally just ask about book in general, uh, but I'm not going to ask favorite because I know that's that's a touchy spot with you. <laughs> so how about what books do you recommend to entrepreneurs? And it can be more than one. Uh, well, I, I mentioned Small Giants before. Mm-hmm. It's it's a great book. It was written by, uh, as I said, my colleague Bo Burling, Burlingham at Inc. I you know. Bo kind of taught me entrepreneurship, so I, you know, have a special place in my heart for him. Uh, but he wrote this great book about businesses that he just happened to stumble upon as a reporter at Inc. And I was lucky enough to be his editor. Uh, it was kind of ridiculous because I, I knew magazine journalism, but I didn't know entrepreneurship. So I was qualified to edit him from a journalistic standpoint, but not from an entrepreneurial standpoint. He taught me that. But I kind of went along on this journey with him as he found one company after another that was striving to be great, but not necessarily big. And uh, some people misunderstand the concept. It's not that they don't want to grow. It's they want to grow at their own speed. They don't want to grow at all costs. And um, when he wrote that book, a community kind of rose up around it spontaneously. Um, it's it's called the Small Giants Community. If you Google it, you'll find it. Uh, it was started by a bunch of business owners who read the book and said, I thought I was the only one. I didn't realize there were other people who think this way. So I, I, I really recommend that book. A lot of people, if this makes any sense to you at all, mm-hmm. uh, you'll be very moved to find out that other people think the way you do. Uh, there's another book by, uh, by a guy named... Uh, Doug Tatum. It's called No Man's Land. And uh, Doug's a really smart guy, an entrepreneur himself. He he teaches um, more now. Um, but he, he started a business that was a um, a fractional CFO business mm-hmm. uh, to provide CFO services to businesses that weren't ready to hire someone full time. And he, he learned a lot of things doing that. He got in an inside look at a lot of companies. And one of the things he realized is that any company that grows eventually reaches a point where that he labeled no man's land, where the things that work to get them there stop working. And it's an incredibly painful experience because the things you learn are things like the the person who uh, has been providing a certain service, whether it's handling your marketing or whatever it might be, they were good enough to get you where you are, but they might not be the right person to get you where you want to go. And they've been, they're smart, they're good people, they've been incredibly loyal, and now you have to tell them they're not the right person 
to right. go on with. And there's, there's, there's no answer to that. There's no good way to do it. But if you want to grow, you have to do it. Uh, even if you want to grow in a controlled way. I mean, and the, the only way to avoid this is to not grow. And, and that's a viable option as well. There are businesses that reach a point, you know, if you have w one restaurant and you're making a living, you're doing well, that's a wonderful thing. You want to put everything into that one restaurant and do it the way you want to do it. That's fantastic. And you do, and then you avoid this problem. But if you want to have a second restaurant or a third, if you want to keep going, you're going to hit this uh, hit this wall at some point that you have to figure out. And Doug's book, uh, which I think is, it's not as well known as it should be. Um, it's, it's really a great guide. Uh, there, there's no easy solution to any of this, but it takes you through a lot of options and I, I highly recommend it. I love that. Um, in addition to 21 hats podcast, what other business podcasts do you think entrepreneurs need to listen to? Uh, well, yours, obviously, oh, uh, especially I thank you. this episode, but of course um, this episode, but, but, but all of the ones that preceded it, <laughs> um, um, you know, I'm going to struggle with this one too. Um, uh, I, I guess the, the, the one that I listen to most is Guy Raz's, uh, how I built this oh, and, yes. um, you know, it's, 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 it's really popular and deservedly. So, mm -hmm. um, I, I think that, you know, there, there's some people who get frustrated with it because, um, you know, it, he's talking primarily to successful people and, um, it, it's, it's not as relatable as it would be if he were talking to them at the moment when they were <laughs> struggling. Um, but, that said, um, you know, it's become an institution and um, great business leaders go on it. And he is obviously a master at getting them to tell their stories. Right. Um, so that's I, I hesitated to say that one because it's one that everybody's heard of. Right. But um, but I got to say it's you know, it, it, it deserves the accolades that it gets. Absolutely. I, I could not agree more. And there are other good ones out there, but you can't listen to all of them. So I think you've given good ones to start with. Lauren, as we get ready to wrap up our hour together, I just from the bottom of my heart say thank you. I appreciate you responding to my crazy email request on a Saturday morning um, <laughs> and being so generous with your time today. And say again, please keep 21 hats going and going and going because I know I'm just one of 5,000 people who get inspiration from it every day, but there are 50,000 out there that should be subscribing because the information is so valuable and you are a conduit to so much community and so much knowledge that we all need. So thank you. Thank you, Jackie. This has really been a pleasure and an honor. I, uh, I appreciate your uh, pulling me out like this. Well, I appreciate you making the time for me. And to everyone who listened and watched and subscribes and keeps tuning in, thank you all. We really appreciate it. And listen, join us next week uh, because we are going to do this in 30-minute blocks, which is much faster than usual. I'm going to talk like this the whole time. It's going to be crazy. Um, but we're going to talk to about, I think, 16 or 18 different entrepreneurs about their journeys and celebrate them on Entrepreneur Day. So y'all come back then. And thank you so much. And we'll see you soon. Well, the day is through.